Hello everyone and thanks so much for joining us for this new episode of the Food Science Addict podcast. In this podcast we aim at discovering food science topics for those of you who already know what food science is and also for those of you who are not sure about it. Listen to us while we unravel the mystery and wonders of food science from ingredients functionalities to novel technologies to novel foods and much more. Hello everyone. Thank you for joining us for this new episode of the Food Science Addict podcast. Today we are going to talk about sweeteners. What do you think of them right now? Before listening to this podcast, are you sided with normal sugars, our typical white and brown sugar, or with sweeteners like xylitol or saccharin? Do you know what a large range of sweeteners there actually is? Anyway, before I get too excited and bombard you with any more questions, let's explain what these fashionable, versatile compounds actually are. I'll start by describing what they are and how they came to be, digging a little deeper into specific sweeteners while providing you with some real-life examples so you can assess for yourselves whether you have actually tasted them. So I'm just going to start by saying that, specifically speaking, our common tabletop sugar is known as sucrose, a combination of small sugar molecules, small compared to other sugars. Compared to other blood salts, however, it's actually quite a large molecule. This combination of sugars is characterized as a disaccharide. Imagine two kids holding hands. That is our disaccharide. Now, each of those kids is a monosaccharide. In the case of sucrose, one of the kids is called glucose and the other one fructose. If you Google sucrose, you will see the chemical structure and it might help you understand what I mean. Now that I've explained what our common sugar is, let's commence with sweeteners. Sugar alcohols, aka polyols, are compounds that we extract from natural sources. This, by the way, has nothing to do with drinking alcohol. <laughs> They're just called alcohols because the sugar has a hydroxyl group attached. In layman's terms, an OH group, a compound made up of two atoms, an oxygen and a hydrogen atom. In nature, they are produced by hydrogenating simple sugars or syrups. Chemically, that means that you, are com that you convert a carbonyl group into a hydroxyl group. So imagine two friends holding each other's hands and then suddenly one letting go of one of the hands to hold hands with another separate friend. The first two friends would be carbon and oxygen, whilst the third would be hydrogen. This is how our sugar alcohols are created. You might have seen them in food labels by the names of Xylitol, mannitol, sorbitol, anything ending in all, basically. Another group of sweeteners are the so-called artificial sweeteners. Most of these were actually discovered accidentally. For example, saccharin, the most famous out there, I think. 
The story behind Sapling is actually very interesting. Let me tell you. Once upon a time, in 1879, there was a Russian chemist called Konstantin Falberg, who was amid working with Professor Ira Remsen at the Johns Hopkins University, studying the compound O-toluene sulfonamide. One day, Falberg happened to notice an unexpected sweetness in his food, which he then noticed was also all over his hands and arms. Utterly curious, he traced his steps back to his lab and through taste testing his utensils, discovered the birthplace of this mysterious sweetness, saccharin. Now we know that it is 375 times sweeter than sucrose. Anyhow, some years went by and in 1906, the head chemist of the Department of Agriculture asked to ban this sweetener. As controversial as it was, the President Roosevelt denied this request as it is said that he was actually trying to lose weight himself. During the First World War, there was a big sugar deficit. Hence why saccharin's popularity increased. This could be made in laboratories, whilst sugar had to be imported from tropical countries. In the 1960s, it became even more famous due to the revolutionary American sweet and low weight loss product. Nevertheless, soon after, a group of scientists discovered that it was causing bladder cancer in rats. Since then, it was made obligatory to make a note on the label that it could be carcinogenic. The tables turned when, in the 2000s, they discovered that humans could metabolize this compound differently to rats and that it didn't have those carcinogenic effects on us. Thus, that note from the label was removed. Currently, it is very popular. In fact, I spotted some sachets of Sweden Low in the wee bakery at the train station near me. Although there are still certain skeptical people that volley complaints about its carcinogenicity and synthetic nature. On this note, I simply want to point out that I have definitely noticed the negative connotation surrounding the word lab or laboratory. This is not a scary word. It just means that it is produced by humans by mixing solutions. In fact, you make a solution every morning when you make your coffee by mixing your coffee powder with water or when you make some hot chocolate when mixing your Cadbury's hot chocolate powder with milk. Another artificial sweetener that was banned in the USA and in the UK around the 1970s is cyclamate. The sweetness this transmits over to our taste buds is not as high as other artificial sweeteners. It's just 30 to 50 times sweeter than sucrose. However, just like saccharin, it was later discovered that it was not harmful to humans, the reason why it is still in use today. Just to clarify, what the research showed was that the normal amounts that one would normally consume are innocuous. For a human to be at risk, you would have to consume about 130 to 550 bottles per day of a drink with cyclamate. Proportional to their size, 
the rats were given an awful lot of the of these sweeteners an amount that would be basically impossible for us to consume these proportional amounts were simply not taken into consideration in the papers from the 1970s hence the conclusion of it having carcinogenic effects one of the reasons why it is so popular is because it is non-nutritive aka not caloric like saccharin meaning it is not absorbed by the body another artificial sweetener i thought i would tell you about is acesulfame potassium or ace k this one is much like the rest its relative sweetness is much greater than our normal tabletop sugar being 200 times sweeter than sucrose it is definitely sweeter than cyclamate the one I just told you about, almost as sweet as saccharin, which was 375 times sweeter than sucrose, and half as sweet as sucralose. Once again, it was discovered randomly by a scientist called Carl Klaus in 1967, while licking his fingers after picking up a piece of paper. Have you ever tasted it? Maybe you have if you tried a low-calorie ice cream or certain tabletop sweeteners. Next, aspartame, also made by humans. And unlike most, this one is made out of amino acids, the compounds that make up proteins. Remember earlier when I explained what sucrose was? Two kids holding hands, the personification of two sugars making a disaccharide. Well, in aspartame, those two kids are two amino acids, specifically phenylalanine and aspartic acid, making a dipeptide rather than a disaccharide. Have you ever been in a house party or simply in the supermarket and noticed how some products have the following words stated in bold contains phenylalanine for example in diet cokes other soft drinks or even in granulated sugar substitutes this is not because this amino acid is bad for you at all it's just a warning for those people with PKU, phenylketonuria, a genetic disorder that impedes you from having a specific enzyme needed to convert phenylalanine into other amino acids, meaning that it can accumulate in the body and be noxious. So, if you don't have PKU, you can completely ignore this statement. However, for those with PKU, Stay clear of this products of products with this label. Opt for other sweeteners instead. I would recommend you one called Alitame, which is probably the most similar sweetener to aspartame, being also a peptide. Yet, it actually is two thousand times sweeter than sucrose, and it is not permitted in the European Union. If you look up the EU regulation number 1333 slash 2008, you will see that it is not 
one of the sweeteners listed as those approved by the EU for use in foods. Now that I have listed a few examples of these sucrose alternatives, let me move on to another matter involving sweeteners. Nationwide regulations. Yes, not a hot topic you'd normally be daydreaming about, but I just think it's important to know the basics of what is on our food labels and why they're there in the first place. There is actually an elusive list of sweeteners that the EU regulations state to be safe for consumption. Yet, this doesn't mean that all European or British food manufacturing companies will include them in their recipes. Some, in order to follow their health charm lines, will avoid anything that's not natural. For instance, the Healthy Snacks company, Grace, promises not to include artificial sweeteners in their recipes. So, no acylfame potassium, saccharin, thaumatin, cyclamate, aspartame, neotame, nor sucralose, to name a few, are found in their products. I just found this interesting because I don't know about you, but I used to think that if it passes the limits set by the EU Parliament, then we should be happy to use it in our recipes or have it within our products. However, it's interesting that some companies look more in depth, funnel their health charm lines, and so set themselves stricter limits than the ones set by the EU. The only message I would like to leave you with in this podcast is for you to forget about the negative connotation the word additives has. Thanks to our fabulous marketing and publicity, we are bombarded with every day. Sweeteners, thickeners, emulsifiers. These are just scientific names that food scientists like to adopt. Don't let them scare you. On the contrary, let them stimulate your curiosity and prompt you to research them. See if they will actually provide the physiological effect that you are looking for your food to provide you with. For example, if you are diabetic, sweeteners might actually be exactly what you're looking for. Those that are non-caloric, I mean. But if you're looking to increase or maintain your microbiota diversity, aka the wonderful microbes that live in your gut, you might opt for inulin or other fibers or fruits. I say this because there is published research that concurs a correlation between artificial sweeteners and a decrease in one's microbiota diversity. If you want to hear more about this, go to the Tabletop podcast on Food Matters Life and listen to the episode staring Tim Spector, a gut microbiome specialist from King's College London. Or search for the Doctor's Kitchen podcasts, episode number 137, The Diversity Diet with Dr. Megan Rossi. Just to clarify, I am not being paid to publicize them. I utterly recommend them though. They're just great in any case, this is a topic for another day. In conclusion, sugar stimulates a chain of reactions that induce pleasure as soon as it comes into contact with your tongue's taste buds. Therefore, 
it's completely understandable that no one wants to give them up. So I think there's always room for these in your diet. But as my grandma would say, in moderation. In the 1900s, food scientists came across the sweeteners that I mentioned in this episode, among others. At the time, they were innovative and flamboyant, and most still are. This aim to stimulate the same pleasure-inducing chain of reactions as sucrose, but have a lower caloric density, be non-cariogenic, in layman's terms, not resulting in tooth decay, be metabolized and excreted normally, have good thermal and chemical stability, meaning that they don't dissolve too quickly, and of course, are not mutagenic, carcinogenic, nor allergenic. Now that you know a few more details about sweeteners, it is up to you to decide what way you want to feed your natural sugar cravings. Thank you so much for joining us for this new episode of the Food Science Addict. If you have any questions or any doubts, do not hesitate and send an email to thefoodscienceaddict at outlook.com or send a DM to our Instagram at thefoodscienceaddict. Take care and goodbye.